Welcome to Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals, hosted by certified financial planners Justin Brownlee and Jared Machen of Brownlee Wealth Management. The only podcast dedicated to those of you in the oil and gas profession to help you optimize investments, lower future taxes, and grow your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Welcome back to another episode of FPOG, Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals. This week, episode 51, we are talking about why is it so hard for oil and gas professionals to spend money in retirement? Nathan, we work with a bunch of families in this space, and we've observed it time and time again. They often have way more money than they'll ever need, but have trouble pulling the trigger on things that they might enjoy or that their family might enjoy or just making big purchases or or treating themselves in retirement or decumulating the nest egg they work so hard to build. So in this episode, we're going to unpack why do we think that is? And we're also going to provide some uh, solutions and talk about what are some strategies that you can employ to spend well in retirement. But Nathan, kick us off. Why do you think it's so hard for oil and gas professionals to spend down their money in retirement? Sure. I I think this topic is really interesting. Me coming from the oil and gas space, uh, I have seen just some of the volatility that takes place in oil and gas uh, industries. And uh, whether you have, uh, you know, experienced negative oil, massive layoffs, uh, maybe a large bonus in certain years and less so in others, uh, there's just a lot of volatility with oil and gas. And so uh, trying to prepare for the good and bad times, realizing that it's never as good or never as bad as it may seem, it's it's really hard to assume that you can start uh pulling down from your, from your accumulated assets. And so uh, you've trained yourself to prepare for the worst and it can be a little scary to, to go into a period of life where there's no income coming in uh, or at least a paycheck. Yeah. I mean, just like the feast and famine mentality, I think it just does a number on you psychologically, right? Like the, like our, like our clients do a great job of storing acorns for winter, if you will, but winter is only a season. Right. And even if you save a ton, right, it's 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 a tough, tough psychology to break, if you will. Even if even if you're no longer if you're retired, you're no longer contingent on that big oil and gas company to continue to pay you or to avoid layoffs. Right. Like enduring decades of that psychologically does a number on you. So I would also add that you have to abandon the behavior that has helped you. Right. So if you think about like not only how these oil and gas professionals are wired of, hey, I know boom and bust is coming. The behavior that that's created is, you know, when you get a bonus, when you get a really high income year, saving lots of it. When you get a really low income year, maybe tighten the buckle with spending a little bit, right? Not only has there been this boom bust cycle, they've developed behavior that's actually served them well, right? Of like, hey, I'm systematically gonna overspend or systematically underspend if I have a big bonus year, I'm not going to extrapolate that into the future. I'm going to risk management. I'm going to diversify my company equity, right? I'm going to I'm going to do as many things as I can to to be prudent, right? But the problem is, you know, the the great quote of you're not going to solve a problem with the same consciousness that created it. It's it's almost like the same thing with retirement spending. The behavior of kind of you know holding tightly to to your purse and kind of doing some risk management and just prudently managing your household cash flow and balance sheet. The thing that served you well, it's got you to retirement. That that's a behavior that got you to the finish line, right? You're not continuing to run the race. You're you're decumulating, right? You 
you've completed the marathon and, and your diet still as though you're still training for the marathon. But it, it makes sense because that behavior has served them so well. It got them to the finish line. So to, to, you, to, to abandon something that served you so well and gotten you exactly to where you've wanted to go, to, to just let go of that, is, it's no easy feat. Absolutely. I would think of it as there's a certain amount of discipline that I think you're explaining there uh, that has gotten them to where they are. I don't think you, you uh, upon retirement, just abandon discipline, but I think you employ that discipline in different ways. And uh, rather than seeing that paycheck come in uh, from your employer, you now get to uh, employ discipline in decumulating that portfolio uh, in a really thoughtful way uh, that, that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Yeah, I love that call out because some people might have taken that message as just spend frivolously and wildly and without a plan. And I think the lack of plan is why people feel so paralyzed. And we'll talk about that later. We're not we're not saying abandon discipline. We're saying, hey, reconstitute what it means to be disciplined in this next season. The definitions are going to be different. So I, I love that. I would also add that that discipline maybe sets uh, oil and gas professionals up for maybe a, a, a more enjoyable retirement just because they have that plan in place and and they can enjoy it uh, really tactfully. Yeah. I'd also say, so another reason why I think that it's hard for oil and gas professionals to spend down their portfolio is like, I would say the stress that comes from the moment of retirement, right? If you think about it, you, you know, you've spent decades and you're leaving some of your highest earning years and you're going into the, the great unknown, which is retirement. And you go from some of your highest earning years to no income, Right. And, you know, depending on how you take your pension, you might have some pension income. You, you probably, you likely don't have social security yet. Odds are for the majority of people that we interact with, they go from their highest earning years to no income or a little self-employment income. But for the purposes of this, we'll say no income. That's huge. That's really difficult to stomach. And it could be decades before you get any sort of income again, be it from social security that's not created from your own investment assets. And so you've gone from making the most money you've probably ever made to making no money and having to spend it down, right? And, and I would say just how violent that transition is and severe it is also just makes it difficult. It's not like, it's not like your portfolio is only re responsible for creating half of your income because of a social security or a pension. For a lot of our people, it's the entire thing. Um, and you know, if you're retiring and you have kids in college, you're also probably in some of your highest spending years. So it, it's just kind of a perfect storm where, you know, your expenses are probably some of the biggest they'll be. You've just gone off of your highest earning years and now you have no source of income. So not only are you drawing down from your portfolio, you're almost always drawing down exclusively from your portfolio, which is just, it's a tough thing to stomach. Right. I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of uncertainty right at, after you retire and whether it's your paycheck or just leaving uh, a lifestyle that you're really, really familiar with, uh, not only is your income uh, taking a, a, a turn, your expenses are much different. You have a lot more time on your hands and uh, you are trying to navigate a new lifestyle and there's a lot of uncertainty and, and fear that can come from that. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a recurring theme, right? There's just like this pervasive sense of like newness and uncertainty, right? The newness plus the uncertainty plus the potential consequences of mismanaging your first few years of retirement due to sequence of returns. It kind of creates this high stakes paralyzing state. And also like, you know, if you've, if you're a long time listener to the podcast, you know, 
hey, we see the post-retirement years before Social Security starts is some golden opportunities for some planning opportunities. So on top of thinking about just recreating an income in retirement, there's also, you know, kind of these high stakes financial planning years. So it's really, really an intense period and kind of can kind of become uh, overwhelming. Nathan, are there any other reasons why you think, you know, it's hard in, in terms of framing the problem? Of, okay. Why is it hard for this demographic to spend down their portfolio in retirement? Yes. I, I think there's, there's a component of, of, really clarifying what a plan is, or you could call it a North Star. I think whether it be oil and gas professionals or other retirees, uh, I think it's pretty easy to to picture generally what your retirement might look like, but uh, you might want to go on some vacations. You might want to spend some time uh, with some some family. Uh, You may have some bucket list items like that, uh, or it if you consider it like the end of life, you may want to leave a considerable amount of assets to a charity or your kids, but you don't ever necessarily define what that is. And so when you think about what an income and spending plan may look like, it's really hard to get comfortable with that plan if you don't clearly define what some of those expenses look like. So uh, I think one of the things that we would encourage uh, all of our clients to do is just get really clear on what that North Star looks like, because I think once we know what we're trying to achieve, it's a lot easier to plan for and maybe eliminate some of that or reduce some of that that fear that comes with it. Yeah. I mean, Nathan, right? That's huge. I think like what you're talking about of like, okay, defining, okay, what is my, to use Ramit Sethi's language, to, what is my rich life, right? Like what, what matters, but then also like defining and getting really granular about that, right? Cause like, let's take an example of like, I want to go, I want to do more international travel. Does that mean hella skiing in, you know, Japan for $50,000? Does that mean you know, backpacking in Europe and staying in hostels uh, for six months that cost 10 grand, right? Um, and both of those are okay. And I think we have clients that would might enjoy both of those with varying amounts. Uh, but right, so the, like the, that's the same thing, which is like, hey, I want to do more international travel. But like, that's great. That's a good first step. But then, okay, like, what does that international travel actually mean, right? And and of course, you know, you're you're making your best guess at what future you will want, right? Like, if if you think you want to take this trip in ten years, you, you might have one goal for it, and then your life's going to change, or you might ha- end up with grandkids you didn't know you were going to have, and then you know Europe changes to a week in Florida with all the families and, and with all the extended family together, right? And so we hold these plans kind of loosely, but man, man, is it good just to communicate them, say, Hey, what, what's my rich life? And then also say, okay, how much do I think these things are going to cost? Cause I haven't defined it or quantified it to say, to begin to even bring math into the picture of, Hey, what do I need? Exactly. I think the clearer we can paint that picture, the easier it is for us to achieve it. And like you said, continually changing, but we'll do our best with the information we have right now and, and uh, adjust as we need to. Yeah. So in summary, why it's so hard, a few of the reasons we think it's so hard is the boom and bust mentality and the feast and famine, just kind of nature of oil and gas. You having to abandon or reframe the discipline and the behavior that has served you so well. Uh, the psychology of going from your highest earning years to pretty much no income. And then the lack of articulating North Star. So, okay, what what does my rich life look like and how much do I think that might cost me? So all of those things together just make it really hard for some of our clients and for a lot of retirees, quite frankly, to 
spend down their assets, even if their financial plan supports them doing the things they want to do. So Nathan, I, I think it'd be a terrible episode if we just stopped here and just presented the problem. So let's talk through a, a couple of tools or, or things that we've seen work to help people spend well in retirement. And for the first one I want to talk about is retirement projections, right? So this is kind of a continuation of the problem we frame in step one is, hey, what do I what do I need? What are my goals? How much do I think these are going to cost? Just getting those down on paper and just to get an idea of where you're at and what, what your portfolio might support is a really good thing. And just see kind of how cash flow accumulates and decumulates. And you can enter all kinds of, you know, our software does changes in inflation rates, investment returns, uh, you know, which bucket do I pull from? Do I do Roth conversions, right? All, you can model an infinite number of scenarios, but getting with a professional or even just doing an estimated cash flow to get an idea of, hey, in light of the, the potential universe of things I want to do, in the pl- light of the universe of things that I have, is there a strong disconnect here? Am I, am I in the ballpark? I think that's a huge thing. But I, I would also caution, I, I would add a word of caution here, right? Like, when I say retirement projections, I don't just mean go to a future value calculator on Google, right? Because one of the problems with those, it assumes a linear re- investment returns. And we're recording this podcast in 2023. And if you've been investing for the past five years, you know that investment returns aren't linear. That's your lived experience. And that's always been the case. They're they're volatile. Some years are up really big. Some years they're down really big. But the problem is, is that volatility creates an annualized return that's slightly less than a linear return. Right. So, so if you say, Hey, I'm going to have 8% straight line investment returns or 8% volatility returns, those are two, you end up with two drastically different numbers. Cause if a portfolio is down 50% and then it's up 50%, you have less than you started with. Right. So just understanding the impact of volatility. And when you run these retirement projections, they should consider volatility uh, and various spending levels. And it'll give you a range of outcomes. We call it the Monte Carlo analysis that shows you uh, over how many different ways to get to 8% annualized, uh, are you successful? So I would say, Hey, just get a retirement projection done to get an idea of, okay, how, how am I positioned? Absolutely. Some of our clients, they're, they're engineers. They come from engineering backgrounds, high fact finder. They're wired to just understand the numbers and they get a lot of peace of mind there. So, uh, if you are one of those people, uh, a retirement projected projection is definitely, uh, it can be valuable for that reason. Yeah, and Nathan, the thing I would add is like it's a process, not an event, right? Because for some of the reasons we talked about, of like, hey, my goals are changed, my portfolio values changed, my benefits have changed. I've decided to go back to work because I turns out I don't like retirement as much as I thought. I'm pretty bored, so I'm going to work part time, right? Like, or I'm going to have grandkids, or I've decided I want to help them, give them some of their money while I'm living, right? There's a life, life happens, which is great, but so that's why this is like an event. So like when we say retirement projections. As you know, as your life continues to evolve, just continue to rerun this and get an idea of okay, based on what I want today and what I think I might want in the future, how am I looking? Exactly, and to your point about trying to define uh, what those expenses may look like as the plan changes, tools like this can help you make those decisions and help you make an educated decision. If you the hell of skiing in Japan is is uh, not going to fit your budget. We want to see how it impacts your retirement projections and uh, make a really educated decision at that point. Yeah. And that's where the magic happens, right? Because like I fr- like with most of our clients, they can afford to do anything they want, but they cannot afford to do everything, right? And so by, by doing these projections, it's powerful because to, to use the hella skiing in Japan, which uh, unfortunately the client hasn't asked us to do that yet or model that another plan, but I'm sure one will eventually. Um, 
you know, like it's like, Hey, how do I, how do I afford that? How do I make that happen? And okay, I I can't based on the 10 other assumptions that we have. Okay, maybe I dial back education funding for great grandkids or uh, you know, my trips domestically throughout the year, right? There's tons of knobs and levers and trade-offs. Like this exercise is value valuable, not not just because it gives you an idea of, hey, here is what's possible, but also here are the knobs and levers I have to pull. And I can kind of build my plan around what's really important to me. Yeah, another thing that I think is important to call out uh, when we're thinking about tools to spend well, there's there's a lot of things that you can do ahead of time. And um, when I think about some of our clients th- that uh, maybe they have a hard time spending money now, uh, if you find that you are one of those clients or, or one of those retirees, potential retirees, there's an opportunity to practice. So uh, you don't want to just enter retirement and have to turn on uh, all the cash flow and have to figure out ways to spend your money. So uh, one of the things that we have sometimes encouraged our clients to to do is spend more now, enjoy the fruits of your labor now. And so uh, that can, that can oftentimes look like setting aside a, a reasonable number that you would feel comfortable spending now just to treat yourself and enjoy, enjoy what you've accumulated. And so, uh, just practicing that and flexing those muscles pre retirement can make it a little easier to enjoy, uh, enjoy some of the, uh, the fun times of retirement. Yeah. I love the verbiage you used of like exercising the muscle. Cause like if, if you're, if, and two, right, we have clients on a spectrum. So if you're a default spender, right, like this message is might not be for you, but if you're a default saver, which a lot of clients in our bucket are, you need to just exercise that muscle of of spending. You need to practice that, right? We, you know, to go back to the retirement projection analogy, we have clients who we're running retirement projections for who are, you know, years away from retirement and they've probably gotten pretty close to funding it. Right. And so the worst thing that they could do is save another bonus completely because it doesn't really move the needle in terms of how it's going to impact their life. They may end with more terminal portfolio value, but they've, they've kind of, they've done everything they've needed to. So the best thing they could do today is you know, there, there's a subset of our client that's going to want to save their entire bonus. Maybe your plan commands it. Maybe it doesn't. If you're the, the person with the propensity to save your entire bonus, you're also probably the person with the propensity to oversave. So spend a little bit of it. And of course, you know, that's why this plan is important because having a plan is important because it helps you feel empowered of, hey, if I only save half of my half of my bonus for the next 20 years and all the other assumptions, how, how do things shake out? But I love what you're talking about, Nathan, of you got to practice and you're not going to do this for decades and then just be able to, you know, there's a big headwind as, and we we expressed it in the first half of this episode as to why it's difficult to do this. So positioning people and helping them flex that muscle now is a huge thing and helping them get a head start. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another thing that uh, it's helpful for retirees, retirees to think about is just as you're making some of those projections, plan for the worst. I know there's a lot of fear around uh, market crashes. There's uh, many of you uh, that are approaching retirement maybe caring for elderly parents that are going through some health uh, health issues that you're seeing them uh, experience that and you're thinking to yourself wow that that would be challenging i want to make sure that i am am set up and i i have plenty of money to to uh, fund uh, end of life care things of that nature uh, so model those things in in a portfolio uh, projection uh, model a health shock uh, some poor returns for a number of years, like Jared mentioned earlier, like sequencing a returns risk. Uh, it's not going to be 8% every year. So uh, model some of the, the different return uh, profiles. Um, 
what else, what else uh, would you say would be helpful to, to model? Yeah. I mean, I would add, right. Like we, we've kind of talked a lot about this, but like quantifying and like quantifying the risks, right? Like a lot of people are like, Hey, I'm really scared of a long, like a health event. Like, and great. Like statistically, like a lot of people end up in a long-term care facility, right? The majority of Americans. And like, so just by beginning to understand, okay, what's, what's the problem? Like on average, how long are people in? Um, okay. For women, it's just under four years for men. It's over two years. Right. And what's, what's the average cost? Okay. It's about, uh, for a private room, it's about $7,700 a month. Uh, and those numbers are inflating it above inflation. Right. So like, even just by understanding those things, you could begin to understand, okay, what's the potential outlay, right? Cause it's easy to think about a health event and think in the, in the millions of dollars, uh, and get scared, but right? Like this, these things will be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on, you know, your situation. And there, of course there's a wide range, but using averages to begin to get an idea and using like hard numbers to begin to get an idea of, okay, what's my potential outlay. And then, the, then the second decision becomes, okay, how do I fund this outlay? Do, am I, do I have enough in taxable assets or, or investment assets? To, am I self-insured or do I want a long-term care policy? Do I want a life insurance policy with a long-term care rider? And the, the latter, the products are usually, you know, a lot more expensive and they don't, uh, unless you get an expensive cost of living rider, they don't keep pace with, uh, with the cost of care. So, you know, we'll probably have a whole another episode related to long-term care, but just Nathan reiterating what you're saying of, Hey, plan for the worst and really above and beyond that, like articulate it. Like, what does your plan need? What do we think is a, a reasonable outcome in this scenario? Is my roof going to survive, you know, the average storm in my neighborhood and, or even the, the, the hundred year storm in my neighborhood and just begin to kind of do that math and get an idea of that. I think is huge. I think another thing, right. Is like, okay. So we talked about, okay, you got to practice, you got to plan for the worst. You got to have like, um, like articulate and calculate with a retirement projection, but like also another tool to spend well is man, just automate, right? Like recreate a paycheck. And this is another reason why it's great to have an advisor because there's a lot of various tax consequences between, okay, do I pull from this bucket, this bucket, the, uh, taxable assets, uh, retirement assets, Roth assets, 529, if I'm HSAs, when, when do I pull from all of these buckets? There's so many different places you can get money and so many different tax consequences. So this is one of those things where it really pays to have an advisor. But assuming you do, you know, or even if you don't figure out, okay, what is it, what, where does it make the most sense to pull from in light of my tax situation today and in the future? And then how do I automate that as much as possible? And I would just schedule a recurring distribution and ensure you have enough cash to pay for a few months of expenses and then, you know, periodically rebalance and make sure that you're raising cash. But, you know, it's, you're going to make it an uphill battle if every month you're deciding, hey, what bucket do I pull from? How much do I pull from? Figure out what you need to live off of, have a recurring distribution, and then, you know, refill that account every few months, uh, in placing trades. And then we get launching a whole nother tangent on, you know, how much cash should you have, which bucket should you pull from? But at the 10,000 foot level, plan and recreate a paycheck and just have it set up so that you're not having to make a micro decision every month of how much can I pull out? How much should I pull out? Where should I pull it from? Right. When, when we speak earlier about just the psychology of having that paycheck, having this automated, I think we, we do this for plenty of our clients and it's, it's really a helpful bridge into that retirement. And you feel like you're, yeah, you're, you're getting your paycheck in your bank account every, every year, uh, taxes are withheld accordingly. If it's a, a 
a pre-tax account. Um, and uh, it's really systematic. And so uh, I think this is a great point as far as automating and, and making it easy to transition. Absolutely. And so assuming you've done all these things, I think the other thing, the other tool in the arsenal to help you spend well in retirement is becoming educated, right? Like doing research on, on just understanding kind of how retirement spending works, right? A great example of this is there's a kids, this article that we'll link to, and it talks about the retirement spending smile. A lot of people, when they're building projections, they'll model retirement spending linearly, but most retirees don't spend linearly. They spend really, really high amounts right when they retire and it goes down over time and then it picks way back up towards the end of life. And it's called the go-go years, which is right after retirement, the slow-go years where your uh, mobility is waning and you're getting less active. Uh, and then right of the right at the end of life is the no-go years, which is when healthcare expenses really tick up and, and grow, right? So it's, so it's important to understand that, hey, if you've retired and you're spending more than you ever thought you would, there's, there's also some seasonality to that. And you, and you know, your portfolio distribution rate might not be sustainable over 30 years, but it doesn't necessarily need to be. If you have social security that starts in five years, is going to cover the vast majority of your paycheck, right? So just by becoming educated, you'll be gracious to yourself and understanding, Hey, I recognize this season is a more expensive one. So I'm okay with spending X now. Uh, cause I know it's going to be Y later on, or I know, I think it might be Y later on based on what the research says. Um, there's also some other strategies you can use of there's dynamic distribution rates, which basically say, Hey, uh, I, I spend more when my portfolio is up and I spend less when my portfolio is down. Right. And of course that, that involves you having an understanding of, okay, what percentage of your costs are fixed or variable and kind of having dynamic spending of, Hey, I want to, if, if you're in a sustained market downturn, you know, if, if you're in a position to tighten the belt, so you're not selling it temporary temporarily depressed prices uh it's going to be good for your long-term portfolio or if you you know not saying don't spend any money but dial having the flexibility to dial back your variable uh variable spending in bear markets and, and dial it up during bull markets that can have a really great outcome on portfolio distributions michael kitsis you know we reference him i feel like in every podcast he also has another great article talking about that but there's lots of strategies like that um but i think the big thing is okay hey develop a plan quantify it Okay, become educated on the opportunities and really kind of plan for the worst and add numbers. And I think all of these things in concert over long periods of time that grow with you as you as you develop and your goals develop and everything develops, I think can really serve you well and help you launch on the right foot and help you spend well in retirement. Nathan, anything else you would add as we kind of wrap up? No, those last few points that you mentioned just really highlight how dynamic this process is. And uh it's really uh, an exercise, a bit of an art to uh, figuring figuring out. Hey, this is this is where we're at now. This is what the plan is now, and it's going to change. And that's okay. You don't need to solve uh, all of the all the withdrawal rates and expenses for the rest of your lifetime. Just having uh, some really uh, art, like really educational conversations. Uh, with an advisor can help you just navigate this as things change. And so uh, I think these are all great points and uh, hopefully our listeners found them helpful. Awesome. Well, we thank you for tuning in. Love to hear ideas for future episodes, podcast at brownleewealthmanagement.com or also send us tips or tricks on how you're spending well in retirement. Or if you're struggling to spend in retirement, we'd love to hear from you and, and why you think that is. These are all just us theorizing based on our, our client base and who we're working with. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks. We'll see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. You can subscribe or connect with us at brownleewealthmanagement.com or send ideas for future episodes to podcast at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed during this show or episode should be viewed as investment, legal, and tax advice. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please consult the appropriate qualified professional.